What really helped me in becoming a low performer to a top performer was knowing the product inside and out. So I think if you really know the product you're selling, you'll approach each customer from a unique perspective. It means that you'll be able to tackle the specific problem that they want to solve rather than trying to sell to everyone with the same approach. That's Maddie Hopkin, the highest performing UK ad cognizant. She was SDR of the quarter for Q1 and Q2 this year and currently a 160% versus target. Since joining Cognizum in September 2022, she created 1.8 million in pipeline and created 960K in Q1 alone. But the thing is, uh, Maddie started out at the lowest performing SDR at Cognizum and this is her first SDR role and yet she became the top performer. In this episode, we are going to dissect Maddie's rise. The process to go from being at the bottom to becoming the top performer, top SDR habits, strategy of multi-threading prospecting, and how to prospect on LinkedIn. So Maddie, when you were initially struggling, what were some of the common challenges you faced in the role? I remember when I first started and in my first week on the phone, um, I remember having a feeling of doubt and feeling like really anxious that I was never going to get the hang of cold calling and SDRing. Um, the others in my cohort had already booked in like three or four meetings before I'd even booked my first one. So the reason I mentioned that it's important to that even if you like innately have the ability to succeed in sales, when it's your first SDR roles, the results might not be like you expect them to be. How did you handle the psychological aspect of being the lowest performing SDR initially? Is to just like really believe in your own ability. Management wouldn't have put trust in you and hired you if they believed that you weren't capable of doing the job. To be honest, there isn't really a secret method to improving and growing as an SDR. I can't sit here and say it's the easiest thing in the world, but having that strong mindset and being around people who really believe in you goes a long way. So with that strong mindset comes teaching yourself to not take the nose personally. So it's removing your ego away from the results and always remember that they're rejecting the product and not you as a person. And what was your process to overcome uh, being the lowest performing as you? In terms of like my general mindset, it was, as I, as I mentioned, removing my ego away from the nose, not comparing to my, uh, the other people that I mentioned that were booking those three, four meetings in when I hadn't booked my first one. In terms of my actual process in the day-to-day -day life of being an SDR, I think it's really important to prioritize your time management and put this first. So this made, made, was making sure that I was blocking out hours for cold calling, sending up those follow-up emails, taking time to populate my accounts each day. Organization is really, really important at the start. I've always struggled slightly with this, and I'm sure if any of my school teachers ever watched this, they'd probably laugh at me and organization being in the same sentence. But when I first joined Cognizum, I really, really worked on this, and it helped me become a lot better. And I'd also say doing the scariest task first is really important when you first join as well. What I mean by this is, for, for me particularly, cold calls were what I most felt, felt anxious about. So it's making sure that I was coming into the, the day prioritizing cold calling. So when I first started, I was doing lots of cold calls and I began to realize that it was really important for me to celebrate the small wins as well as those meetings booked. So whether this might mean referrals, follow-up calls, it's shifting that prospecting and those cold calls from believing that those wins are starting from a conversation instead of just selling on the initial call. 
Um, and also, lastly, I'd say is really looking at what the top performers were doing in my company. So, you know, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm not coming into Cognizant trying to do anything that someone hasn't done before. So I think it's really important to look at these people and try and replicate what they're doing. If they're achieving the results, it's most likely going to mean that you can too. So mirroring their strategy is really important. When you also, it's also important to note that when you get comfortable in the role in a few months down the line, you are able to pick up your own ways of working and tricks that maybe new SDRs in the company will also look up to you and they'll begin to kind of implement that into their workflow as well. Yeah, the learning from the top performance, I think it's a really, really good advice because yesterday, yesterday um, I made a post on LinkedIn talking about uh, you shouldn't compare to top performers because I think it's two things, two different things, learning from top performers and comparing yourself to top performers. Comparing yourself, it can be really tricky because you can say, the re you can see the results of the top performer and you are going to think what I'm doing wrong. Hey, if you are going to, to be in this mindset of uh, you're not doing the, the right things. But what you mentioned, learning from top SDRs, it's really the key point here. It's uh, you are um, studying them, watching them. Uh, you are um, checking the, the word they're using on the phone and all of, all of those things. Um, another thing you mentioned also, it's uh, celebrate small wins. So how did you do that, actually? Uh, what did you celebrate, for example? Going on a cold call, and I remember, like, it's really easy when you first start calling to get in the mindset of, I need to book this meeting like I I'm going to ask these questions that I've got on my script and then I'm going to close like whatever happens but I think it's as you get like when you begin to realize that actually referrals can lead to like this one of the most powerful methods of like following up is a referral so once you begin to celebrate that it helps your confidence because you start to begin to shift from just being like purely sold on like I have to you know book this person in for a meeting to okay I'm gonna on this call they might not be the right person and I know that they might might not be the decision maker but it'll be really powerful if the, the they give me a referral because I'll be able to info gather from this um, particular sales manager whoever it might be and take that to the DM and relay that like it's more likely that they're going to come in for a meeting because I've relayed all the information to them so for me it was like really celebrating those small wins and those follow-up calls that helped build my confidence as an SDR. You, you shared with us uh, your process to overcome um, being the lowest performing SDR. Uh, now can you share with us a specific moment or situation where you, you, you felt things started to shift uh, towards a better performance? I think that this was probably towards the end of my second month. So I'd say after all those kind of like doing after what I've mentioned, replicating top performers, really focusing on what I felt most anxious about, which was cold calling. It was also investing personal time. So like watching demos on Gong, because what really helped me in becoming a low performer to a top performer was knowing the product inside and out. So I think if you really know the product you're selling, you'll approach each customer from a unique perspective. It means that you'll be able to tackle the specific problem that they want to solve rather than trying to sell to everyone with the same approach. And also that's like why it's so important learning early on is because it also comes to help in enterprise and targeting these bigger accounts. You know, you'll be on a phone and customers and pros prospects will have those questions that you just can't predict. And this is where product knowledge really comes into hand. 
as you'd never want to be on a call and someone asks you a question and you'll say, okay, let me just like ask someone in management and I'll come back to you. Because the time that you take to ask management and then potentially ring them back or send them an email, you might have lost their interest. Whereas if you're able to answer it directly on the phone, you might be able to put them in on the phone and then that's the opportunity that's already happening. You mentioned that you are uh, listening to Gong's call. Can you share some examples where have you, you, you listen to some specific calls and then you learn something? Um, could be I don't know, a call call you, uh, you listen to from um, a, another top performer or it was a demo from uh, one of your A. It wasn't only actually like listening to their calls, it was also listening to my own because when you listen to your own when, you, um, when you're really new, is that you start to realize like the bad habits you pick up. So for me, I don't know why I'd always say, I'd be like, it's kind of like this, or it's kind of like that, or it's kind of, and I'd, I remember I was always hearing that and it was really frustrating me. So I used to write just on a little like post-it note, stop saying kind of, stop saying like. That would help me to get out of bad habits very early on. But then what you mentioned about listening to AEs and SDRs, so this was something I do probably outside of work. So it sounds really sad, but on the tube or on any train or anywhere, instead of, you know, I wasn't listening to Spotify, I was listening to a gong and like demos, but it would really, really help me because the line of questioning is is crucial to learn early on. So, the and you, it's always hard to be told to do something instead of like listening and being able to replicate it. So, for instance, AEs have a really good way of explaining to prospects GDPR compliance or different ways that what what questions that we get asked being a data provider a lot. So I just copy and paste a transcript from Gong and use that in my in my own script, which was really helpful. And then with um, SDRs, it was different ways of opening a cold call that I could try out. So I might be listening to Brad's opener of a, a permission-based opener with the problems, or people like Charlie Bell and another colleague of mine, Toria, who would more go in with the information and say, I've spoken to XYZ, they tell me this, can you let me know if that's feedback that you've heard internally? So it's listening to different strategies and learning what would be the best one for me. On top of that, because here yeah, that's what you learned from listening to the course, so can you share some tips that Brad or Charlie or other mentors at Cognizant uh, shared with you and had a, an impact on your results? So I remember Brad actually was my first mentor. So it, it helped that me and Brad like clicked within 30 seconds of meeting. I remember instantly requesting him as a mentor to my manager at the time, Rachel. So Brad and me would have regular sessions where he'd review my calls and then he would explain certain areas that I would particularly need improving with and would help me change my script and change the way that I was doing it to be better. And then not also that, it would also be building lead lists together. So I was finding at the start the workflow quite hard to get my head around. So the mentors and people, the different SDRs really helped me understand our ICP so who it was in that particular target and that account that I would need to be targeting but also on top of that it's really important to, to note that all the SDR managers in Cognizant act as great mentors as well so for instance my manager now Nusrat was recently promoted after being an SDR 
and she's taught me many like valuable skills, particularly in enterprise. It's really hard sometimes to go from commercial where it's under 500 employees, it's very small accounts, to, for instance, our my biggest account is 400,000 employees. So it's a huge, huge jump. And Nuzrat's really helped me in like key ways to map these huge accounts, which can be so daunting to start with. So learning how to populate it and be organized and stay on top of it, which has worked really well and helped me not only succeed in commercial, but also continue in enterprise really without being feeling like it's uh, gonna go wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I agree with you. The, um, going from commercial to enterprise, I think you, you have like a mindset shift on a lot of different things. Um, the thing around how you approach the account, the research uh, around the account, the information you can find around the account, because sometimes not all your enterprise accounts would be public, but some, some of them are public. And so you, you have the 10K, so what, and a 10K can be really uh, time consuming if you don't know what you're looking for. So I think enterprise, it's really like a big mindset shift you need to have when you're moving from a, from a commercial to enterprise. I had some, some question around, um, because you are one of the lowest performing SDR and then became the, the top performing SDR. Did you have a, a daily routine or habit that you think was key in, the, in this transformation? At the start, I was almost a bit chaotic with the calls and the emails I was doing. So I was focusing a lot on just, I was thought that, okay, if I just send out all these automated emails, if I just make all these calls, like I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get like the desired results. Whereas the shift from understanding that the, it needs to be a more strategic approach so now I make 40 strategic calls per day. I'm sending out, instead of just automated emails, 15 personalized emails a day. It means that like it's way more strategic in a sense of you know exactly why you're targeting them and you've got all the information instead of just kind of spray and praying and hoping for the best results. And also now it's important to be really super organized with the accounts that you have. So going into each week, maybe focusing on 20 accounts. So that might be a mix of tier one accounts. So you know exactly who to speak to, you know the pains of the company. So your main focus is gonna be on them for the first few days of the week, trying to put them in for a meeting, but also leveraging that with your tier two and tier three accounts. So it's trying to get the tier three three accounts up to tier two and to tier one and then your tier one accounts to tier no your tier two sorry to tier one if that makes sense so it's being really organized with your accounts as well in the way that you're prospecting yeah what you just mentioned is exactly uh, for example that's i think a switch that you have to have with commercial and enterprise accounts because like you said enterprise you don't know who you are going to talk with because um you don't know who owns the the process for the process or the um, who, who buy who's going to buy cognizant. So I think here it's really key uh, for enterprise to to have this in mind to to know if they have some pains or no, knowing who is the right person. Uh, so you started to talk about uh, cold calling, cold emailing. Um, how do you effectively use uh, different channels like cold calling, cold emailing, and LinkedIn, for example? I think it's really crucial to use all three as much as you possibly can. I know sometimes it might be easy to just rely on your biggest strength. So whether that might be cold calling to just 
solely rely on cold calling and spend all your time focusing on that method. But it's, you know, you don't always know your prospect's preferred method of outreach. That might be through LinkedIn. That might be through sending an email. So if you're attacking that account and, you know, sending out those emails, trying to call and LinkedIn, you'll start to understand the way that they want to be contacted, which means that you can then like rely on that to book the meeting or to info gather more. So yeah, I think it's really important important to just attack uh, the all accounts with all three methods and just like understanding what their preferred will be is is super super important. Uh, that's super important what you just said here because it's uh, you want to you know some people they they will never answer the the phone and even though you have the phone number that's I'm not saying it's a waste of time but it's you need to find what's the, the best uh, for their profession, like you mentioned. So just because of that, because for your prospect will be different. Uh, so that's something you need to know. Something also you mentioned to me when we were preparing the episode, it's WhatsApp. Um, how do you use WhatsApp in your process? WhatsApp is like a really great tool, I think, for, for an SDR. It's quite a controversial topic, I'd say, in terms of using it as a method of outreach. And if I'm totally honest, I'm quite hesitant to use it completely cold. And if I've never spoke to the prospect before, but, and it's always good if you've maybe called them and you built a bit of a relationship, you've maybe understand the, like the way that their business works and how Cognizant, for instance, might be able to fit into that. Then on the end of the call, I might always say, okay, great. Um, if they ask, yeah, I can if you just want to follow up on this, say, great. Oh, well, I have your number here. Do you mind if I just shoot you over a, a quick WhatsApp message now and uh, we can like continue conversations if it's of value there? They'll eight times out of 10 be more likely because it's much easier to reply on there than giving them another call and potentially disrupting their day. And I think a guy called Chris Ritson, who I'm sure we all know now uh, listening to this, who's was like a big believer of... Um, using WhatsApp. I got one of the tips from him. So it's after booking a meeting, I'll send a message like, hey, Elric, great to chat with you then and discuss how Cognizant can solve XYZ challenge. If you have any further questions, feel free to send them over on here or call me anytime. And also it's really useful for confirming any demos in the morning. So instead of calling them at like 9am and Maybe they're on their way to work and they might miss it, which could then impact the attendance. Just sending them a quick WhatsApp and then they just, even if they just reply, yep, it's like, it's still confirmed, right? So yeah, it's really valuable in that sense as well. So you, you are talking also about LinkedIn um, a few times. So can you share your thought process behind your different uh, approaches for commercial and enterprise accounts? Because also that's something you mentioned when we're preparing this, that you, you change your process when you are, going after commercial accounts and then uh, enterprise accounts? With commercial accounts, the prospects pain is around the businesses like immediate needs or the individuals. So in commercial, I found it easier to go in completely cold and gather information through having that conversation. So that was then make, like having the conversation and then becoming aware of the potential challenges that they might be facing a, as a business and where Cognizant could fit into that. But the way that it's changed now in the enterprise space is much of the pain is around the, poten the company's potential needs in the years to come. So it's all about that growth. 
And this means that it alters the way that you you prospect the account, especially in like market conditions. Now, it's really important to note that you sh like it's super, super uh, like crucial to have done your research and know exactly what the organization's pain points are before pitching the product. It means that also you're likely to stand out as an SDR. Like it shows that you've done your work and you you are aware instead of just sending out these generic messages that are probably just going to be deleted in their inbox. Earlier you mentioned that you have like an account with 400,000 employees. Um, how do you identify uh, the indi individual contributor or the team you want to go after um, on this account? So with um, my process now with like huge enterprise accounts, I am a big believer of the bottom-up approach. So with the bottom-up approach, it means that I'm binding pain, especially with Cognizant, that end user um, who I'll be speaking to is the end user of the of the, the our potential competitor. So it's important to kind of have as much information from them before I go on to speak to a decision maker because it creates a much more fruitful conversation with um, the manager because they're aware I'm going to the manager and I'm aware of the issues and it acts with they act they're like more likely to act with more urgency rather than just joining a call to compare cognizant against our competitor which has really low conversion rates so then by speaking to and building rapport with multiple people within an organization can lead me to get my like ultimate goal which is the meeting booked you also know you never know in who actually might be a really good influencer to kind of put forward the the product you might you never know who might bring up your company or your product in a conversation and then when you do go to that main person and that um you know who holds all the the budget and the decision maker they might he or she might have a flicker of like recognition to the name which is more likely to open the opportunity up if you have an account with thousands of employees do you go after employees who are active on LinkedIn or how far? do you have like a preference to to after uh, some specific individual contributor? When I'm um, on Cognizant and I'm prospecting and looking at highlighting who which ICs to go after it's usually who have quite a big presence on LinkedIn it's always super helpful if ever they post like maybe they've posted about being an SDR or they've posted about being an AE because then I'm what I like to do is just send a quick message maybe agreeing or adding my thoughts onto what they're posted about before actually asking them questions which I'm doing to info gather it helps you know build rapport and build the trust in in the relationship I'd also say that when it's such a huge account depending on for, for us at Cognizant we're able to go uh, target the Amir space and also the US So it's being hyper-organized with the way that you're prospecting as well. So say, for instance, I, the, uh, the first initial time I get the account, I might say, okay, I'm going to mainly focus on EMEA at this point. So I'm going to focus on EMEA and look at who's in sales ops, who's in marketing, like different, and create the persona that way. And then if, that, if I've got maybe like rejections or I haven't been able to build traction, 
okay, the next week I'll then focus on the US and I'll create a lead list for the US as well. So organization is really, really key with these big accounts. Now, yeah, like we mentioned a few times on the episode, it's because you can be you're trying to, to go talk to everyone at the same time, but I think it's more interesting to go team by team inside the account or by region, like, like you're saying. Uh, so, last question. Uh, what advice would you give to a new SDR who might be struggling with the same issues you faced when you first started and one piece of advice they should ignore? For me, and um, a bit of a story here, I guess, is I remember, like I was mentioning when I used to listen back to my own calls, one thing I used to do was always say, Hi, Eric, it's Maddie from Cognizant. I'm really sorry to call you out the blue. And actually, like... You never, ever, ever, as a new SDR, never apologize for like making a cold call. You're doing nothing wrong. You haven't hurt the prospect. Like it's just gonna make them think that you actually have done and be more reluctant to actually continue the conversation. So it's super important and a piece of advice is to change that. So to to change, I'm sorry for bothering you, to something which I do now, which would be appreciate Elric that me and you haven't actually spoke before and this call wasn't scheduled I've been speaking with xyz and thought it might make sense to reach out to yourself is now okay to just grab 30 seconds like it's super casual it's then you're not asking them to do anything major you're not apologizing it's not you know it's gonna it's gonna entice them in more likely to continue and then you can also follow up with relevant information about them and what you found out one piece of advice to ignore is probably on the initial cold call to just sell the best part of the product. This is because it's really important to sell based on the individual's needs and pains rather than the part of the product that you feel is best. Feature selling really closes off any open conversations you could potentially be having and it means that it puts the power in the prospect's hands to be asking you the questions instead of alternatively you being able to ask them the open questions. So, yeah, so as salespeople, really, just a piece of advice is that we want to be asking the most questions and finding the pains because once we've found that pain, it means that we're then able to sell the part of the product that we think would be able to help like overcome it overcome that challenge so maddie um thanks for being on the show today but before uh, we jump off but before we end, end the interview so do you have anything else you want to share with the listeners no i just say that obviously it's like it's i think it's been really i've never actually spoke really before about being the lowest performer in my first month to now like achieving highly but I think it's been really useful and I hope it's useful for new SDRs out there who might be listening to this who feel a bit anxious like I did at the start so yeah just anyone who might be feeling like this um, I'm sure my LinkedIn will be there so please just shoot me over any questions and I'd be happy to jump on a call or like answer any questions and give you any tips and yeah just thank you very much for uh, this opportunity to be on here as well, Elric. Yeah, of course. And also, thank you for taking the time and being open to share share this with, with uh, the listeners because I think it's uh, super valuable to to see your, your process and what you did to overcome that. So thank you. No, thank you. 
Thanks everyone for listening to this episode and I see you on the next one. Thank you.